first lesson today is brought to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, read by several members of our congregation by Zoom, beginning in the first verse. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand. And by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Less of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. The gospel reading for today for Easter Sunday is from John chapter 20, beginning in the first verse. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to him, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead, and the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stood, stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw the two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, he, she said to him, Sir, you have carried him, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, 
I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that she had, that he had said these things to her. The gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we encounter this gospel lesson today and ponder what it means for us, I want to tell you the story of a Sunday school teacher who one April wanted to ask the same question of her students. And so for her eight students, she brought in eight plastic Easter eggs and invited them to go home and fill them up with something that represented the new life that Christ gives us. The next week when they came back with those Easter eggs, they were excited to show what they brought. She opened up that first egg. There was a beautiful flower in it, a beautiful picture for new life. When she opened up the second egg, there was a rock and a little boy said, there's moss on the other side, that represents new life. When she opened up the third egg, they were all surprised when a beautiful butterfly came flying out. The little girl who brought that was proud of what she'd done to show new life. When she opened up the fourth egg, it seemed kind of light and looked puzzled as she cracked it open. Stephen, noticing her puzzlement, said, don't, don't skip mine. She said, but, but Stephen, the egg is empty. And he just smiled and said, I know, the tomb was empty. Friends, on this Easter Sunday, that's what we proclaim. The tomb is empty. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Now, some will say that the resurrection is just a, a helpful motif, a nice symbol or idea for which to found the Christian faith. But no symbol, no motif, no philosophy is good enough to face the darkness that we face in this world. Today, our news is consumed by daily death tolls. How do we face something as serious and as real with that? Well, it must be matched with something just as real, something that can truly overcome death. No wishful thinking, no symbol will do that. This deep faith that we have is founded on a sure and certain promise that the tomb was empty. I bet a believer or skeptic alike would have to agree with Yaroslav Pelikan, the, the renowned scholar and Yale professor, who said this, if Christ is risen, then nothing else matters. And if Christ is not risen, then nothing else matters. Pelican is just echoing the words of the Apostle Paul later in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, where Paul says, if the resurrection had not happened, then our faith would just be in vain. This faith that we share in Christ is founded on a historic, real moment in history. Take heart, my friends. Like a philosopher who tests his syllogism with logic, or a scientist who tests her hypothesis with the scientific method, we have a God who grounds our faith in a real moment in history and is not afraid for the test that will come. Test and see that this is sure and true and real. Now look, I know it doesn't feel exactly like Easter normally does today, 
But heading out early on that first Easter morning, it didn't feel very Eastery for Mary Magdalene either in that dark day. But what she didn't know is the light had already dawned. What she didn't know, what the Gospel of John proclaims in chapter 1 is that this darkness that she faced, the darkness that we face, the light of Christ, no darkness can overcome. Let's look at some of the incredible evidence for the truth of this short and certain promise. Oxford University scholar N.T. Wright writes in his over 800-page book on the evidence for the resurrection, doing some serious textual criticism right here in John chapter 20. And here he reminds us and tells us that what we take, unlike what some would try to say, what we take as flesh being resuscitated and being resurrected, an actual resurrection, that, that this gospel is saying just that. That's exactly what the gospel of John is meant to be said. In fact, as we hear the word dwelling in flesh among us, that flesh must be resurrected for John's argument to be made complete. It is complete with eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses like Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, we think, was John. And of course, Mary Magdalene, who was there first. And what did Peter and John do? I like how one pastor put it when they went running into the tomb. What did they do? They were thinking, observing. Why is this face cloth folded? No grave robber would fold, take the time to fold this cloth. In fact, they'd want to take the cloth with the body if they're going to steal it. And as they're processing and thinking deeply about this scene, John believes. And as Mary Magdalene will continue to tell us and proclaim, this Jesus was resurrected. He was alive. And the gospel gets the details right. Scholar Bob Ronglin and pastor tells us this in his book, Recovering the Way, that on January 14th in the year 2000, two archaeologists came across a first century Jewish tomb with the body still wrapped in the cloths. And you know what they found? The face cloth and the other cloth around the body, just like it was described and as the burial practices were right there in the first century. The gospel gets the details right because it's telling it like it is. And there was no body in that tomb. The guards, the guards, the Roman guards, they had no reason to lie. In fact, they had made a commitment with their very lives, a guard which usually included at least four or more, a commitment that if they were to lose what that which they were guarding, they would give up their lives. This Roman guard, you think they'd allow someone to take the body of Jesus and give up their life? No. Jesus, the tomb was resurrected of resurrection, the tomb was empty. The resurrection is real. Another important element to this testimony is Mary Magdalene. Jesus 
chose a woman to be the first evangelist. Not just a woman, but a woman who'd been filled with demons, who'd been scandalized. This woman Jesus used to proclaim the gospel. Later in the first century, historians and other of those who would want to refute Christianity would say, well, how can you believe it? The first eyewitness was a woman. You see, in that culture, a woman wasn't considered a valid legal witness. They didn't take to heart what a woman would say, but Jesus did. Jesus did. And she becomes the first preacher, the first proclaimer of the good news of the gospel. One more little bit of evidence for us today. Modern martyrs act solely out of the trust in their beliefs that others have taught them. But the apostles died, as Gary Habernus puts it, the apostles died for holding to their own testimony that they had personally seen the risen Jesus. Contemporary martyrs die for what they believe to be true, but the disciples, as he writes, of Jesus died for what they knew to be either true or false. Three of the apostles, history and tradition tell us, were crucified. One was dragged to death. One had a spear brought through. One was beheaded. They gave up their lives for what they knew to be true. You wouldn't do that if you knew it was false. John saw the grave clothes and he believed. Mary spoke with Jesus and her eyes were opened and believed. Even later in chapter 20, Thomas, who had questions like many of us will about the resurrection, would encounter Jesus and believe. Like the apostle Paul, who prior to that had been a persecutor of Christians, he came to faith and now says, without the resurrection, our hope is in vain. Like Yarsof Pelican, the Yale scholar, they both confessed this resurrection, this real moment in history changes everything. Once we had not received mercy, but now this Jesus speaking so resolutely, but yet still so gently, like he did on Palm Sunday to Mary and to all of us, this King of Kings, but so personal and gentle, says Mary. And when she hears her name, she knows it's him. She became the first evangelist, this demon-possessed woman. Peter would deny Christ, and yet, because of his grace, would be commissioned now after the resurrection. Thomas, called the doubter, now spends the rest of his life proclaiming the good news. Friends, if the dead rise and the hardships that you and I are facing right now, they don't have a hold on us. No darkness can overcome this light. The empty cross doesn't promise an easy life. We've already heard that about the lives of the apostles. Some of us have walked away from the faith because when life gets hard, we think, oh, I guess it must have not been true. No. When life gets hard, and the Apostle Paul will say this elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, I don't want you to be unaware, he writes, that as we face these hardships, 
face them with the risen Christ. And by living by that hope and giving testimony to that hope and sacrificing for that hope, we get to participate in the change that God has for the world. Remember Stephen in his Sunday school class in the empty egg? Well, sadly, a few months later that summer, he passed away. The mourners at his funeral were surprised. Surprised when they came and saw eight eggs on his casket, each of them empty. The tomb was empty. Death will not have the final word. Dear friends in Christ, the tomb is empty. The darkness of this world will not have the last word. And so whether you need for your head to tell your heart or your heart to tell your head, listen to this gospel promise in the gospel of John today. Let the word of God speak to you. As one pastor put it, as intensely rational and merciful and personal. Because this word changes everything. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.